Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States... People should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, September 6th, 2023, the 959th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, I want to get started today in a little bit of a strange place with a clip from the biggest conspiracy theorist in the whole wide world, Alex Jones. This is a few minutes long, and it's from a couple weeks back when Alex Jones decided to tell the world that another very deadly pandemic was on the way. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town, and they wanted to meet with me that I know well. And they are a high-level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. And then they were told, we expect by December a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021. And I was given many more details. I wrote down notes on it. Then I left. Called the first federal connection that I was thinking of. Didn't answer. Called the second. Answered. Told them what I've been told. And they said, what day was that? I said, Tuesday. They said, Yep, we were told yesterday, this is yesterday was Thursday, so it was Wednesday, expect COVID protocols to begin rolling out middle of September. And I said, what else were you told? Basically that they believe this new variant's super bad and that they're doing the testing and that they should just get ready for a whole new rollout of what happened before. And this was Border Patrol connected people I was talking to and testing at the border again in the whole shooting match. That's two federal agents that told me this yesterday. And then I went and looked at the news, and there they were saying Canada's looking at new restrictions again because of the variant, and so is the EU. And what did the Russians just put out three days ago? U.S. is plotting another pandemic. Russian head of the defense ministry warns. Now, new lockdowns will starve the third world. New lockdowns will destroy small businesses. New lockdowns will take the average person that's already $5,000 in the hole and their paycheck is, is, is just on time. We'll put them into full bankruptcy. And the children in the mask and the, the attempt to push a new shot for the new variant, and we're right back in the same hellhole we were in just a few years ago. And why is it perfect timing? Because going to the election year, they had the last crisis go over two and a half years. They'll bare minimum run this through the next election. It's only 14, 15 months out with mail-in ballots again. And we have all the eyewitnesses and testimony that they get the mail-in ballots. And in some cases, they were 99% for Joe Biden. Who believes that? U.S. Postal Service whistleblowers, USPS 
poll watching witnesses. I, I have it all here. We'll play it next hour. We do not have to sit here and take the same criminal UN global WF New World Order regimes second rollout of lockdowns and attempts at force injections and travel restrictions and being told you're not essential. We don't have to lay down and die. And for the third world, but they'll lock them down again under IMF World Bank control. It is a literal death sentence. Okay, so that's a couple weeks ago. That was August 18th, 2023. Today is September 6th, 2023. So Alex Jones said that almost three weeks ago. And you can probably guess how the media responded. Headlines and fact checks. Factcheck.org. No support for viral claim that COVID-19 lockdowns are returning this fall. The Associated Press ran their own fact check story with the headline, Conspiracy Theorist Spreads False Information About the Return of COVID-19 Mandates. And I want to go through this fact check because it's worth it to see how they respond to something like this. Claim. Transportation Security Administration managers were told on August 15th that by mid-September, they, along with airport employees, will be again required to wear face masks, and by mid-October, the policy will apply to travelers as well. Further, the managers were told that COVID-19 lockdowns will return by December. The AP's assessment, false. No such announcement was made to TSA managers, an agency spokesperson told the Associated Press. A spokesperson for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which issued a now-expired travel mask mandate in 2021, confirmed that such rumors are utterly false. That is a quote from the CDC. The facts. With COVID-19 hospitalizations steadily inching up in the U.S. since early July, some on social media are falsely claiming that federal employees were told that mask requirements and other pandemic-era restrictions will start returning this fall. And they say that hospitalizations are inching up. What does that mean? That means that they have started their testing programs at hospitals or that the ones who continued their testing programs the entire time have kicked them up a few notches. We remember from COVID number one that all a COVID hospitalization is, is someone in the hospital who has been given a COVID test that everyone knows doesn't work and they were able to get a positive result from that test or they were simply diagnosed with likely COVID. That's all it takes for a COVID hospitalization to be recorded. What we have here is a report in an increase in numbers from statistics that we have to assume are honest, done in good faith and accurate at every single point along the way. And that the process is even capable of producing an accurate result. And it turns out that none of those things are true. So this number can't be trusted. And the idea that COVID hospitalizations are increasing without the knowledge of any normal person out there is absolutely insane. But back to the fact check. The claim originated on the August 18th episode of The Alex Jones Show, where its namesake host said an anonymous, quote, high level manager in the TSA, end quote and an unnamed Border Patrol-connected source told him about the alleged announcement. Jones is known for spreading conspiracy theories. And yeah, how could Alex Jones even talk about what he was told by an unnamed source? The New York Times and the Washington Post, professional journalism outlets, would never do something like that. 
except for the fact that they do it all the time, literally all the time. They often cite a source familiar with the situation or a source familiar with the conversation, a source familiar with the negotiations. They can describe a source any way they want to and still print it. So why are we supposed to ignore Alex Jones's unnamed and anonymous sources? Oh, it's because he's a conspiracy theorist and these sources never turn out to be correct. That's what we're supposed to understand, at least. The Associated Press writes TSA Press Secretary Robert Langston told the AP that managers at the agency did not receive any such instructions last week. Benjamin Haynes, a spokesperson for the CDC, confirms that reports of upcoming lockdowns are utterly false. In addition, the suggestion there could be a timeline in advance of such restrictions is, quote, exceptionally implausible, said Sherry Gleed, dean of NYU's Robert F. Wagner Graduate School of Public Service. Gleed, who specializes in health policy reform, said it wouldn't make sense for an agency to, quote, forecast some future mask requirement when we have no idea whether the virus would be spreading at all at that point or how dangerous it would be. Now, is Gleed ignorant in the cutest way ever? She still thinks it's all real and that everyone's just trying their best? Or is she a regime propagandist? It's hard to tell, but she is a college professor at a prestigious university's school of public service. I mean, a school of public service, that is the sort of phrase and sort of institution that George Orwell could have come up with for 1984. That sounds so dystopian. The school of public service. So this very astute, very elite college professor believes there's absolutely no way that these agencies could possibly plan out their COVID policies in advance. They only respond to real conditions on the ground as described by the science. Now, is the science ever accurate either? No, of course not. But we're going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt once again and assume they're all just trying their best. Neither Jones nor Representative of his show had responded to a request for comment before publication. Two new COVID-19 variants, EG5 and BA2.86, have recently emerged. As of August 23rd, the latter had only been reported in Denmark, South Africa, Israel, the United States, and the UK, according to the CDC. Health Canada confirmed to the AP that as of August 18th, no cases had been detected in the country. Canada has seen a steady increase of EG5 cases, but the World Health Organization reported in early August that its risk to global public health is low. So they're covering all the bases. They got the CDC. They got the WHO. They got all the countries that went along with COVID the first time. Countries where the regime still believes it has quite a foothold. Countries they cannot afford to lose. On January 29th, 2021. The CDC issued an order requiring people to wear masks on public transportation, including airplanes and in transportation hubs that was implemented and enforced by the TSA. A federal judge in Florida struck down the mandate on April 18th, 2022, finding that the CDC failed to justify the order and that it did not follow proper rulemaking procedures. Now, what in the world is a rule and why is anyone following them? Where is the CDC in the Constitution? 
Lawrence Gostin, a professor of global health law at George University, who also specializes in constitutional law, told the AP that the CDC could reissue the order, but he said it would likely be immediately challenged and struck down in a lower court, a decision which would probably then be upheld by the Supreme Court. So the CDC can't actually do that constitutionally. They can just go ahead and do it like they did last time, but it's unconstitutional and you don't have to follow it. That doesn't mean that we won't hear about organizations going along with CDC guidance, determining for themselves that they will comply with CDC guidance. So the CDC can't put the policy in place and enforce it, but they can just give advice and then other organizations and institutions can choose to take that advice and then they'll implement the mandates. So you have to sue everybody individually. I mean, we know how these things work by now. The CDC has authorization from Congress to issue certain orders if they are necessary to prevent infectious diseases from spreading between states, he said. It can also make recommendations, but the agency has no enforcement power, leaving implementation and enforcement to the states, which is why pandemic-related restrictions varied across the U.S. Wait, I thought Donald Trump put all of those restrictions in place himself as president, because as president, you're basically king. You just get to order things around and then everyone has to do them because you're the most powerful, except that's not actually how the Constitution works. That's not how the country works. And the governors around the country actually did implement covid policies for their states. Donald Trump couldn't force them to do that. And once you realize that the entire justification for the Ron campaign's position on covid instantly goes away. It's weird that they never talk about this dynamic, isn't it? They don't even have the power to do the kinds of things that are being suggested, Gostin explained. And that is his refutation of Alex Jones. The agencies don't have the power to do the things that Alex Jones is suggesting. Therefore, they're not going to put any of this in place because they would never do things they don't have the legally justifiable power to do. They would never do any of that, despite what they did in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and plan to do forever. They would just never do it. Similar limits apply to the president and Congress. An executive order issued by President Joe Biden on January 20th, 2021 required anyone in federal buildings or on federal lands, including government employees and contractors, to wear masks. But his COVID-19 vaccination mandates were the subject of numerous legal challenges, many of which were successful. Regardless, Gostin said that if the president or Congress tried to institute a nationwide lockdown, quote, they'd be slapped down by the courts in a minute because of restrictions on federal police power. <laughs> Again, isn't that amazing? Donald Trump didn't actually have the power at any point to lock down the country. But we might as well keep blaming him for what the states chose to do, huh? While COVID-19 hospital admissions are rising, there were 12,613 for the week ending August 12th. They're a far cry from past peaks, like the 44,000 weekly hospital admissions in early January, the nearly 45,000 in late July 2022, or the 150,000 admissions during the Omicron surge of January 2022. Oh, those good old days. 
Still, some schools and businesses are reinstating mask mandates and other restrictions. Officials expect to see updated COVID-19 vaccines this fall that contain one version of the Omicron strain called XBB 1.5. Oh, good. Leanna Wen, a professor of public health at George Washington University, told the AP that the fact that COVID-19 has become an endemic virus is another reason future lockdowns or restrictions at any level of government are highly unlikely. An endemic virus is one that has a constant presence in a geographic area. And Leanna Wen, of course, is that crisis actor who is always on TV saying whatever the regime needs her to say. She is one of the most ridiculous people to become a public figure during the very deadly pandemic. Eliminating it is not possible, she said. And so having measures that are aimed at a societal level, containment is not practical and won't achieve the aim that we initially thought was possible in early 2020, end quote. And no, no one actually thought that was possible. They sold that as an idea to the American people. And many of us at that point believed it because we didn't think it was possible that all of our institutions could actually lie to us about something as important as a pandemic. And that was a major wake up call to people, myself included. I quickly realized that if this was a war and it did make sense to perceive it that way, despite anything Trump said, despite it coming from China, all that aside, it still made sense to think of COVID as a war. This thing is attacking us as a country. What is the goal here? It can't just be to save lives and certainly not in the abstract. The point of fighting a war is to preserve society and preserve a way of life. If all you wanted to do was save lives, you could simply surrender and hope that the attackers decide to let everyone live. And that is essentially the approach that our public health community began advising immediately once the very deadly pandemic went live. We also saw many of our governors going right along with that idea. We're going to be better safe than sorry. We're going to save these lives. If you don't go along with what we're saying, then you are indirectly killing someone's grandma. It became apparent pretty quickly that they weren't primarily concerned with preserving a way of life and preserving our society. It became clear immediately that they were working toward the new normal. That Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum, described himself in the book he wrote called COVID-19, The Great Reset. They were working toward that new normal. Whatever was out there was not causing people to drop dead in the streets as we were shown in dramatic video from China. They were not desperate and scrambling for solutions so they could save lives from the very deadly virus. They were implementing policies that made no sense, had no chance of working, all of which would make things immeasurably worse for countless people. And all the while, they were lying not only about what people could glean from real life, from the empirical, observable reality around them, but they were also lying on television. They had the COVID counters up on screen the whole time. The number of cases, the number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths. They had that up there 24-7 because they were pushing the narrative. You could simply go online and look at people 
actually performing the statistical analysis. And you would find quickly that the numbers they were arriving at while showing their work told an entirely different story than the one being told on the cable news. One of the most blatant examples of that to me was the actual time lag between the event happening and the reporting of that event. So if someone died from COVID, which really just means with a positive COVID test or a likely COVID diagnosis, the reporting of that event would be delayed by weeks or even months. And so we would have a daily report of COVID deaths that was reflecting a time that had already passed, which means imagining that it exists that way in the present is a mistake. And the fact that the media and our betters, the public health community, the experts, the scientists, the professors, the celebrities, all pushed those narratives in a false and misleading way is further proof of their totally misplaced and or dishonest priorities in the first place. We also knew that there would be a natural lag between when someone actually caught COVID and when they would die from COVID, which was about three weeks, they said. And again, I don't assume that any of this is actually real. These are the facts within the central narrative and the hypocrisies and inconsistencies and contradictions within that story that should tip you off to the fact that at least part of it is a lie, if not the whole thing. So we had the three-week lag, right, between the COVID infection and the COVID death. And then sometimes we had one week or two weeks or four weeks or two months between the event of the death and the reporting of the death. And that was not an unusual thing. That was how it was the entire time. So we potentially have anywhere between a month and three months, sometimes longer, between a COVID infection and the reporting of a COVID death. And if a bunch of COVID deaths are reported at the same time, we were still being told that COVID was more prevalent than ever, more deadly than ever, and we should all be more scared, even though that was all relative to an event that happened a month or two months or three months in the past. Now, that is just a blatant falsehood. When you hear something like that, you should assume that the people communicating to you about the issue are lying to you all the time about all of it. That doesn't mean that they are lying about all of it. It just means that you bias toward them lying and require a far higher standard of proof before you believe anything they say. And I actually remember the moment that all of this, my last bit of trust for any of these people or any of these institutions broke down completely. It was on April 22nd, I believe, of 2020. I was watching one of Gavin Newsom's daily press conferences about COVID. You remember Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo would be out on television every day, spinning out the central narrative and presenting themselves as the counter, the real leader, not Donald Trump, that crazy guy who's always spreading conspiracy theories that later turn out to be exactly right. These were Democrats, respecters and lovers of science. Therefore, they could be trusted. And they were reaffirming that everyone needed to follow all of the commands and all of the rules, no matter how convoluted and complicated they are, no matter how nonsensical they are, no matter how unconstitutional they are, everyone's got to follow them. That's what the science requires. Better safe than sorry. 
Well, Gavin Newsom came out and said that based on new information, they realized that the first COVID death was weeks before they originally suspected. And I just pulled up the article, npr.org, first known U.S. COVID-19 death was weeks earlier than previously thought. And this is from April 22nd, 2020. It details how they adjusted the date of the first COVID death to February 6th. And in a piece I wrote that summer that probably exists as audio on this podcast somewhere way back, I wrote, on April 22nd, Gavin Newsom announced a review of all influenza-like illness deaths across the state of California through the beginning of December 2019. This is because the first coronavirus death in America occurred in Santa Clara County on February 6th, 22 days prior to the assumed first American death. One occurred there on February 17th as well. The woman who died in Santa Clara hadn't traveled and was not around anyone who had. This means at least one other person with whom she'd sustained contact had been infected prior. But unless the contact tracing failed, it would require two or more. She died at home and had not been tested prior. The fact that she never went to the hospital means she likely died of something other than the coronavirus. Terribly sick people who were already in poor health don't generally decide to stay home with a horrendous deteriorating illness. Based on the standard lag of 25 to 40 days from infection to death, she was infected in at least early January and quite possibly December 2019. There was little coverage of Gavin's ordered review. Unless you watched it live, you would not have known anything about this. There's been very little print coverage and months later, there's been no update. This is because the results of this review have been tied up in California state bureaucracy. Now, why does that information matter? Well, if COVID was in the country in late December 2019, and again, assuming that any part of the central narrative is true, it still remains by their logic true that COVID was here at least that early and potentially here in early November of 2019, which means that we likely went three and a half to four and a half months without a single COVID restriction anywhere, without anyone knowing that COVID was in our midst. There had been reporting about the very deadly pandemic from late 2019 that everybody just ignored and everyone continued to ignore it for months. Why? Because it wasn't doing anything. No one was keeling over in the streets. We didn't have people rushing to the hospital with some nightmarish respiratory illness. None of that was happening. We didn't close bars and restaurants. We didn't close schools. No one was wearing masks. We didn't shut down concerts or sporting events. No one's travel was affected. No one had the slightest idea of which workers might be immediately deemed inessential. How could that be with the very deadliest pandemic that the world had ever seen? It became immediately obvious that either COVID wasn't as transmissible as they were saying, or COVID wasn't as deadly as they were saying. At least one of those things absolutely must be true. It turns out they were both true, but no matter what, we were being lied to. We were being misled. Nothing could be more obvious. Why would our quote unquote leaders think it was necessary to lie to us in such glaringly obvious ways? It was 
absolutely clear at that point that they were not treating this as a war. They were not interested in the preservation of our society. They were creating fear. They were creating division and they were forcing people into compliance by whatever means necessary so that they could introduce the new normal, the great reset, as they said over and over and over and over again. Now, of course, everyone remembers the backlash we were getting for arguing with this central narrative about COVID. You are a science denier immediately who wants to kill someone's grandmother or would at least risk it because you're too selfish to do these simple things that everyone else is willing to do so that we can keep everyone safe. I mean, except for those essential workers. And yes, of course, except for those people who are losing their jobs. Yes, I know 200 million people in the world are being thrust into extreme poverty as a result of these worldwide lockdowns, but better safe than sorry. Yes, I know domestic abuse is rising and alcohol and drug abuse are rising and child abuse is rising and depression and anxiety and thoughts of suicide and suicide all rising. And yes, I know long-term unemployment causes all of those things. And yes, people are losing their homes, but still better safe than sorry. Why don't you just get a job where you can work from home and then you can watch Netflix and order Uber Eats all day, just like us. Don't you understand? Anyone who is saying true things about COVID-19 dealt with exactly that. Again, that was a wake-up call to me. For the first week or so, I was like, okay, well, they can't just be totally lying to us. We should at least hear them out, see what all this is actually about. But that wore off pretty quickly for me. Now, obviously, there were people who were way ahead of me in understanding what the whole thing was, people who had witnessed this sort of psyop before. But for the vast majority of Americans who spend most of their time focused on their own lives and making ends meet and trying to protect their family, as we all believed we could just simply do, that's what it meant to get by in life and to do well in life. People were busy doing that, not paying attention to conspiracy theories on the Internet about some very deadly pandemic reaching within our borders from China. Most people didn't believe that their government would lie to them about something so important. So most people went right along with things. And once they made the decision to comply, they wanted everyone else to comply, too, because they didn't want to feel like the suckers and the rubes. They didn't want to be tricked by the government. They would rather say that the government was telling them the truth. Even the sorts of people who had spent years before saying that the government lied about everything. Trump called it a hoax, but you can't trust him. They all knew that Trump lied all the time. Therefore, the virus must be very real. The pandemic must be very deadly and better safe than sorry. Let's all go along with it. Now, there was a problem with trust in government. People trusted the government far too much. There was a problem with belief formation. But the biggest problem was that for nearly everyone, they were absolutely blindsided by the entire thing. Just one day. Tom Hanks is sick in Australia with this very deadly pandemic. Maybe we should shut down absolutely everything in the world. And within hours, the NBA and the NHL canceled their games indefinitely. 
I was at the season premiere of a Hollywood TV show when all of this news started breaking and people began elbow bumping and fist bumping rather than shaking hands. And the whole after party died out and was completely empty in about 45 minutes. Everybody just decided that they had better be safe than sorry. Virtually no one was mentally prepared to properly respond to COVID. Now, again, I'm very specifically not saying everyone. I know that a lot of people out there are old school truthers, old school conspiracy theorists and knew all of this stuff and knew that something like this could happen and knew that something like this was being planned. I was not one of those people. And the vast, vast majority of Americans were not either. Almost everyone was blindsided by it. Almost no one was mentally prepared to respond properly. They immediately looked for authoritative sources of information. They didn't know what any of the things that they were being told and being shown actually meant. And even if they could understand those things, they wouldn't know how to contextualize it and know how to respond properly. They had to seek out expertise. And we were immediately presented with experts who could tell us exactly what to do. People began having conversations on podcasts about two weeks to slow the spread. We all thought we were very smart for understanding what it meant to flatten the curve. Ooh, we understand graphs. People began bragging online about how afraid they were and how much time they would spend spraying down everything in their house putting their laundry in plastic bags as if it was radioactive. All of this was signaling within the party of false decorum, strong incentives to go along with things, harsh punishments if you don't. And many people complied and they pushed that narrative out and everyone else overwhelmed by all of these communications just decided to go along with it because they wanted the incentives. They didn't want to be punished. They wanted to get back to some form of normal so that they could begin living their lives again. And things stayed like this for a pretty long time. Some people are still in that mindset. There are still COVID super fans out there who have not taken off that mask in three and a half years. But that's not where we are anymore. We're not getting blindsided by these things and we know how to react to them. We are mentally prepared to react to them. At least we're certainly in a better position to react to this now than we were three and a half years ago. And that applies broadly throughout our culture. Is it going to be 95%? Probably not. Is it going to be 75%? Hey, maybe. How many COVID super fans are really out there? Four to six percent. Maybe it's more than that, but it can't be a whole lot more. Even the people who went along with it and still think it was right to do, they don't want to have this battle again. And if the social incentives to comply aren't what they were last time and the punishments for noncompliance aren't what they were last time, those people who are just playing social status games are not going to go along with the COVID superfans, even if they themselves might have been COVID superfans in the past. We'll have to wait and see how people respond, but I'm pretty certain that the country by and large doesn't want to go along with any of this. And the people who seem to be promoting and enforcing the regime's position on this new, very deadly pandemic are not going to be treated as kindly as they were last time. These people got to exercise power over others and they enjoyed it and people watched them enjoying it. 
I don't think that everyone is just going to tolerate that again, and they're certainly not going to honor it. And so I want to talk a little bit more about why that is, because I think there's a phenomenon here that we have witnessed a bunch of times, and I think that we need to begin recognizing it for what it is as part of this narrative warfare, this information warfare. Now, say what you will about Alex Jones. A lot of people out there don't like him. They think that he is responsible for the pain of parents of school children who were murdered at Sandy Hook. There was a big court case publicizing all of this last year so that absolutely everybody knows you're not allowed to say these sorts of things. In fact, if you say something that hurts other people's feelings, you owe a billion dollars. Now, is Alex Jones actually ever going to pay that? No, of course not. That is a public threat to everybody else who might oppose important parts of the central narrative. Now, was Alex Jones right to say what he said? I don't know. I haven't spent much time on that whole case. But I also know that it doesn't matter and he's allowed to say whatever the hell he wants. And people who've watched the government lie to them about pandemics are welcome to wonder aloud, even with big audiences, whether or not the government might be lying to them again about mass shootings in schools, which, of course, we have watched the government lie to us about before. But the point is, if you want to be mad at Alex Jones, be mad. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. Have whatever feelings you want. If you want to think he's crazy, think he's crazy. I don't care. Is he a conspiracy theorist? Oh, yeah. Call him a conspiracy theorist. Makes no difference to me. It's not like he's my dad, although he damn well may be Bill Hicks. The truth is, it doesn't matter what you think of Alex Jones at all. He said the thing he said about the new version of the very deadly pandemic. He said the thing he said about TSA and government restrictions and rules and guidances and mandates. He said the new COVID regime was coming and they're going to recommend lockdowns again in September. Your feelings about Alex Jones have absolutely no bearing on the fact that he said all those things and you've heard him say all those things. So that happened and certain people who heard him say those things decided that he needed to be fact checked. They had to make sure that everybody knows Alex Jones has no reason to say those things. Those are baseless claims. There's no evidence. We're going to call people at these agencies. And when they tell us, oh, there's no evidence of that, we're going to go out and tell you there's no evidence of that. That means that Alex Jones is spreading another baseless conspiracy theory. And if you believe it, well, you're just falling for mis and dis and malinformation. Alex Jones made his claims. The mainstream media and their fact checkers contradicted those claims. They said those claims were crazy. Alex Jones doesn't have any information on any of this. He does not have an inside source. No one is creating COVID policy before we even know that COVID is dangerous. You know, this brand of COVID. And regardless, they don't have the actual constitutional or legal authority to put these measures in place. Therefore, none of it's true. But that's not how not true works. Because now we have a scenario where three weeks have passed and we can see the reality within the central narrative being communicated to us, laying out in a way that maps perfectly onto what Alex Jones said. 
Now, maybe some parts of that fact check end up being right and that these restrictions are not, in fact, going to come from the TSA, but they'll come from someone else to the TSA and then the TSA will implement them. And the fact checkers will say, well, we never claimed that the TSA wouldn't implement them if commanded to by someone else. We just said the TSA wasn't planning it themselves. We know how these things work. But all that matters is that what arises in reality maps on to a prior understanding or it does not. So let's have a look at where we are three weeks later. Have the comments made by Alex Jones mapped on to reality or were the fact checks correct and Alex Jones was just once again spouting baseless conspiracies? This is former Ethiopian terrorist, now director of the WHO, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. The increase in hospitalizations and deaths shows that COVID is here to stay and that we will continue to need tools to fight it. It's being reported that that audio is from today, but the truth is he's probably said that 30 times in the last three and a half years. The increase in COVID deaths and hospitalizations is here to stay. Therefore, we need tools to fight it. And what they mean is ways to force everyone around the world to stay home, obey all their commands, and once again, inject themselves with a toxic experimental substance that can't protect them from a disease that can't kill them. And of course, we once again have famous people getting COVID. Whoopi Goldberg missed an episode of The View the other day due to COVID. And then there were conspiracy theories about Whoopi. But don't worry, she went on TV and dispelled all those conspiracy theories. This is Deadline Hollywood. Whoopi Goldberg missed another day of The View due to her third bout with COVID, but sent a video message to the show to dispel internet rumors about her absence. In spite of everything you've heard, said a masked and tired-looking Goldberg. I am not at Burning Man. I am not still in Italy. I am not trying to change the outcome of the election. I just have COVID. Oh, what a cute election joke. And what a cute Burning Man joke. And wait a second, what is she doing with a mask on inside her own house? Masks don't work, even though Anthony Fauci says they work on an individual level. Sure, they're not going to stop the disease spread throughout society, which is what we told you they would do, but they will stop you from getting COVID like we told you they would do, even though all the studies show that they don't do that either and that there's no way they could do that. And Whoopi Goldberg certainly knows that. Everybody knows it. Even the people who deny that it's true know that it's true, which is the same phenomenon as those people who still pretend that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. They know Joe Biden didn't do that. They just say that he did because otherwise their whole world falls apart. So Whoopi's out and she's wearing a mask by herself at home, even though masks don't work. She's tired looking, which is how you know that she must actually have COVID. But she seems to be surviving. So that's good news. Who else has COVID? Well, the fake first lady, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill, has COVID. And how? I mean, these people vaccinated so much. How could they possibly get COVID? Oh, that's right. It's because the vaccines didn't work. Now, if you were a standard issue villager, you might think, oh, no, 
Jill Biden has COVID. What if she gets near poor old doddering pervert husband, Joe Biden? COVID is most harmful to our elderly, especially those who are already frail. They were the people most likely to die from COVID. And by from COVID, of course, I mean with COVID. And by die, I mean they were very likely put to death in their medical facility where the hospital protocol was specifically designed to kill old people. Remdesivir and then a ventilator. Strong chance of death. Certainly a much higher probability than dying from COVID. But not to worry, Joe Biden knows how to protect himself on an individual level. And Corinne Jean-Pierre the fake press secretary of the illegitimate regime took to television to let us know that Joe Biden is taking precautions. The president and the first lady, since she tested positive for COVID-19 last night, I can tell you that the first lady is experiencing mild symptoms and will remain in Delaware for the week. President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And he, as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. The CDC guidelines recommend a combination of masking, testing, and monitoring for symptoms. The president is doing all of that in, con in close consultation with his physician. So despite Joe Biden being with someone who is infected with the brand new, very scary variant, he's just going to keep on living life as normal, except he's going to wear a mask sometimes, but he will take it off if he is far enough away, even though social distancing is absolute, complete and total nonsense. And the exceptions that she just described did not count at all throughout COVID 1.0. You couldn't choose not to wear your mask if you decided you were far enough away, especially not if you were around someone who was infected. That means you may have been exposed. And because we know that there is an incubation period before you might become symptomatic, but that doesn't mean you can't spread it while you're asymptomatic. Joe Biden should be quarantined for two weeks. Why isn't he being fake president over Zoom? And for that matter, why hasn't he been doing his little meetings on that stage in the Eisenhower Executive Office building since he doesn't seem to have any regular access to the Oval Office? I mean, imagine a president who's been there less than Joe has. How does it happen for a very, very real president? Oh, how does it happen? The fake president is going to wear a mask, but how much will he wear a mask? It is news. <laughs> uh, okay, the the COVID protocols yes. for the president. Is he going to test every day before he gets on the plane? Does he have to mask when he's in India? I think there are not. Um, I think the protocols for the G20 are that they're really long. So I wondered sort of what's going to happen going forward with the president while we're watching. Uh, so what I can tell you is that the president certainly is going to uh, test on a regular cadence determined by his physician. Of course, all travelers, all travelers, including the president, will test uh, before traveling to India. So that is uh, certainly something that the president uh, will do. Uh, as I mentioned, um, uh, the CDC is following CDC guidelines. 
So it sounds like COVID is really back. These are the same conversations that were being had for well over two years until Joe Biden decided that the pandemic was over and then decided that he had never decided it was over and decided that it could be over, but simultaneously would also never end. It went away for a while and now it's back again. Because remember, it'll always be with us, even though occasionally similar diseases like the flu just disappear for a while so a new disease can take its place. Will COVID always be with us? Who knows? It's got to be possible to get rid of the invisible enemy completely, right? What else is going on in the world of very deadly pandemics? Well, this morning, NBC News posted on X, Moderna's fall COVID booster generated a strong antibody response against the newest BA.286 variant. The drug maker says the updated booster is expected to be authorized by the FDA as early as this week. ABC News ran their own headline today. COVID-19 booster shots expected as early as next week. The upcoming COVID-19 booster is expected to be available in the United States as early as next week, potentially as soon as September 13th, and is expected to protect against severe disease and death from currently circulating variants. They really gave themselves a lot of outs there, didn't they? It's not going to protect you from infection. It's not going to protect you from getting sick. It's not going to protect you from being hospitalized, but it will protect most people against severe disease and death from the currently circulating variants. I mean, I mean, if we tell you that there is a new variant in circulation, all bets are off. It's like we never even put out this vaccine. But as it stands now, with these very scary variants that are out there, we promise that this shot will protect you against severe disease and death for this virus that doesn't cause severe disease or death. Isn't that reassuring? Inject yourself with the toxic experimental substance that can't protect you from a disease that can't kill you. But back to ABC News. First, the Food and Drug Administration is expected to authorize or approve the shots. Wait, authorize or approve? Are those different? Which they have signaled they are likely to do within the next seven days. So this brand new variant comes out of nowhere. They make a brand new vaccine specific to this variant. And the FDA knows that they will approve it within the next seven days. At least that's what they're signaling. Next, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's independent panel of advisors is expected to meet on September 12th to provide a recommendation on who will be eligible for the shots. Oh, they're going to create demand by saying that only certain people can get it and others can't get it. Are they going to give it to our elderly and to black people first like they did last time and tell us that it's because they're the most vulnerable? What will that look like when people immediately assume that these shots may well be deadly? It instantly goes from, oh, they're trying to save these poor people to, wait, why are they trying to kill old people and black people? This regime would never do that. I mean, sure, they are going to cause a massive financial problem by paying for the health care of old people with government run health care. But they wouldn't go around allowing people to die just for money. And they would never, ever, ever attempt to perform medical experiments 
on the population of black Americans. I mean, yeah, fine. They've done it before over and over and over again, but they wouldn't do it this time again. The Daily Mail ran this headline. New COVID booster shots to be rolled out next Wednesday. But just 17% of Americans got the last one. Next Wednesday would be September 13th. Now, Alex Jones might not have nailed the exact day for the new booster release, but he was talking about things happening in mid-September, and we are coming up quickly on mid-September. In fact, next Friday is the 15th. That's as mid-September as mid-September could ever get. Two days before that, they're going to release this new COVID booster shot. And just a week before that, they begin running stories about celebrities coming down with COVID. I mean, that sounds to me like a narrative lead up to creating exactly the world that Alex Jones described. But I should trust the experts like that professor of public service at NYU who says that all of this stuff is just spontaneously happening in the world. And all of these public health professionals, all of these politicians and other experts are all responding to this spontaneous event in the world. They can't plan COVID policy months down the road. They don't even know how COVID is going to be or if it will be. And of course, as I said, I trust the experts, which means she must be right and operating in good faith as an honest person. So despite the fact that all of this is rolling out essentially in exactly the way Alex Jones described, he is a conspiracy theorist, and none of what he said is even possible. Not in that way. They don't plan ahead. And besides, as the other professor noted, none of this is even legal or constitutional. Therefore, it can't be happening. And because it can't be happening, it's not happening. And all of this stuff you're seeing is not that. It's something entirely different. These are just the reactions to a spontaneously occurring event in the world. Alex Jones didn't know that COVID was coming and there's no plans for COVID to come, but nonetheless, COVID is here. So now we must react in all of the ways Alex Jones described. But again, it's not part of a plan. The Daily Mail writes, updated COVID boosters designed to target new variants are set to be rolled out as early as next Wednesday. The director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Mandy Cohen, is expected to sign off on the shots on September 13th, according to reports. They are expected to be made available to all age groups, like the current shots are. But only 17% of eligible Americans have come forward for a single booster. Now, again, I've made this point many times, but we were told that it was something like 75 to 85% of people who got the first round of COVID shots. Now, there's only 17% at minimum that means that 60% of America, if these numbers are correct, decided to stop trusting the science and instead make these decisions on their own. They realized that the shots didn't work, and many of them realized that COVID wasn't dangerous. And then they started to realize they were getting lied to the whole time. Are they going to jump back in and fall for it again? Well, doubtful. A lot of those people are really, really angry about getting tricked still. Now, this Daily Mail article has a nice little twist to it right up front. Moderna, one of the companies developing the new vaccine, claimed today that its shot neutralizes the Pirola variant that has been causing concern among health experts. 
Pfizer also claimed its vaccine triggered enough antibodies to neutralize the variant. But there appears to be little demand for boosters in the U.S. Oh, it triggers enough antibodies to neutralize the variant. Now, again, with the assumption that any of it is true at all and that anything from the so-called science of virology is true, then a virus, as it evolves, will become more transmissible and less virulent, which means that the likelihood of you getting it is very high and the likelihood of it killing you is extremely low because the original COVID, if any of the numbers are to be trusted, and certainly none of them are, was reported to have an infection fatality rate lower than 0.1%. One out of a thousand people who get it would die at that rate. And this following viral theory would kill at an even lower rate than that. And of course, that's why the talking heads who discuss this talk about how highly transmissible this new brand of very scary variant would be. Should anybody be very scared of the very scary variant? Scared to the point where they would go and take one of these shots? Well, no. The number of people going out for these shots will very likely be lower than that 17%. And because that's fairly obvious to everyone, you can expect the narrative effect to be increased far beyond what they attempted in 2020. They're going to have to make it much, much scarier or else people will be unlikely to go along with any of it at all. I mentioned last week how Trump got out in front of all of this. One of his statements that he released last week was specifically about COVID and how no one is going to go along with any of the mandates for any of it. No lockdowns, no nothing. He is telling the country to be prepared not to comply. If these governors try to put these policies in place, you simply don't go along with it. That's the plan. President Trump told everybody that last week. Now, naturally, Ron Disaster had to come out with a statement of his own. And while he got beat to the punch by Donald Trump and cannot compete with the strength of Trump's statement that covered all of it, Ron did take to X and posted this. As Biden's biomedical state is chomping at the bit to bring back COVID authoritarianism, we will continue to hold the line. As your president, I will usher in a reckoning for those who devised the failed and destructive biomedical policies that caused damage throughout our country, because until there is accountability, they will try to do it again. Well, hey, Ron, you are one of the governors who locked down your state. You are one of the governors who went around to old folks homes so that they could get vaccinated. And then you bragged about getting shots in arms. You masked, you locked down beaches, you locked down businesses. You are one of the people who devised the failed and destructive biomedical policies. Are you going to hold yourself accountable? Attached to this post was a video of a campaign ad that ran various headlines talking about how anti-COVID Ron was. And it's funny because one of the headlines appearing in this video is from July 9th, 2020, Tampa Bay Times. Governor Ron DeSantis doubles down on schools reopening full time in August. And this is from that very article. DeSantis's remarks echo those of President Donald Trump and U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, who have said they want all schools to reopen full-time in the fall. 
On Monday, Florida Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran ordered public schools to reopen in August. But neither the governor nor the White House can force school districts to open in Florida. Corcoran acknowledged in his order that the decision is ultimately the job of local school boards, and DeSantis said nothing about what should happen if school districts defy the order. So DeSantis, this bold thing that DeSantis was doing and wants credit for, was echoing the comments of Trump, but did not have the authority to actually do this on his own, according to the Tampa Bay Times. So what they presented to make Ron look like he was exercising bold leadership throughout COVID was really just Ron responding to something Trump was already saying and doing. And you can basically repeat this for every America first policy and principle Ron DeSantis has ever endorsed. His own campaign and his own campaign ads can't even escape this reality. It's ridiculous. But Ron is trying to make a bold statement, get out in front of things before this COVID thing really starts. I want to let everyone know that I'm the guy who's here to stop it. And of course, when this Alex Jones rumor began a few weeks ago, I said exactly this. Ron is going to be out there being the guy who's going to save us from COVID again. And Gavin Newsom will be pushing for COVID and they will set up this battle this narrative battle between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom, just like they attempted to do with the two hurricanes in the last couple weeks. The regime wants to set up Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom. These are your choices. The uniparty right versus the uniparty left. Forget about Trump. Forget about Biden. Forget about anybody else. We're going to give you DeSantis versus Newsom and see how they handle things on their own. Ron previewed this in the debate, and now he's coming out swinging once the full public narrative has already arrived. We'll see how Ron actually responds, but he's pretty much got to be a no about absolutely all of it because that's how he's branded himself. He wants to be seen as the anti-COVID guy, but Ron can't stop COVID and he can't stop the country from doing COVID. The people are going to do that, and the people are already there, and they don't need help from Ron DeSantis. But what we do need is what Alex Jones did. We need a little bit of time before the thing starts so that everybody can be mentally prepared. And what we got about this new brand of COVID, this new very scary variant, and everything that goes along with it, what we got was nearly three weeks of jokes and warnings about this new very scary variant. What we got were mass public narratives on social media, decentralized narratives, people talking, those comments getting reposted, all of that flooding through social media across various platforms about how the people weren't going to go along with any of it. They weren't going to comply at all. Posts were going viral left and right with that message. People do not want to do this again. Now, the important factor in that is that what Alex Jones did threw the timing of the central narrative off. He got the conversation started before the regime wanted to start the conversation. He started the conversation before the central narrative was prepared to introduce the conversation. They are operating on a set program. They have these things timed out. Of course, they are planned in advance. You can see the advance planning. It's right there in these articles, which we should see as part of a very long commercial for Big Pharma. 
We're being told by the corporate media that the pharma companies are going to release a new product and that they know when the regulatory agencies plan to meet and approve them, not meet to consider them, meet to approve them so that they can go to market and so that the regime can tell everyone, all of the vaccines out there, all the COVID super fans, hey, line up and get this new injection, not for the disease that's out there that you're very scared of, but for the disease that might come along that we will make you be very scared of. Take this shot now, as soon as we make it available, better safe than sorry. Because you see, if no one has any advance notice of any of this, then the regime gets to act like all of these are spontaneous events. Whoa, look at that. Jill Biden got COVID. That's horrifying. I didn't even think COVID was still around, but apparently it is. And even the fake president's wife can get it. Whoa, Whoopi Goldberg got COVID and she's going to miss a whole week of The View? Gosh, I hope she's okay. I didn't even know there was COVID. I thought the pandemic ended. But here's Whoopi Goldberg, my favorite celebrity, not on my favorite show, The View, that I watch every morning, no matter how many times they lie to me and just completely waste my time. We better take COVID seriously. We better put on masks next time we go to the store and then other people are going to see us in those masks. And if those people say, hey, why are you wearing a mask? I'm going to laugh at them and tell them that they need to start following the science because don't they know COVID's back and it's more serious than ever. I'll forgive you this one time for not wearing a mask. But now you've been told I have told you Dr. Jill Biden has COVID. Whoopi Goldberg, the host of The View, has COVID. And unless you want me to say that you're responsible for killing someone's grandma, you had better start going along with this absolutely right away. We had reporting about how vaccines were still required for students of certain colleges who were returning this fall. And what would this have looked like if there was no advance warning, if there was no mental preparation on how to handle all of this? We've now had a public conversation ongoing for over two weeks about non-compliance and about how this stuff is planned and how the only way to avoid doing 2020 over again is to not comply. We're having a conversation about how this COVID pandemic is conveniently coming out as we get into another election cycle, just like in 2020. And then we have jokes and memes just flying around the internet, making fun of the entire thing. And what that does is take away the incentive structure within the party of false decorum, all the things that they want to do for social credit from their peers are now being made fun of to the point where doing those things will actually be something that embarrasses them rather than generating the social credit they do everything in their lives to achieve. The impact of this narrative deployment about this new very scary variant is being blunted by the false start that Alex Jones in this situation was responsible for. Now, who knows who got him the information? Is Alex Jones a good guy? Is Alex Jones a bad guy? Is Alex Jones a crazy person or is he a prophet? I don't care at all. It doesn't matter. It's all information among other information. Alex Jones has a big voice and a big audience, and he created a public narrative 
When he did the segment I played at the beginning of this show, he created a public narrative from that point forward, and people began talking about the plans for this new rerun of the very deadly pandemic. That was the warning shot that started the conversation. That false start generated all of these reactions that have absolutely destroyed the incentive structure within the party of false decorum and have allowed the people at large to mentally prepare for how they plan to deal with this new pandemic rollout. It doesn't matter if Alex Jones was right in every respect of what he said. We might find out that he was down the road when we see reality evolve. But the point is, it doesn't matter whether or not the fact checkers were right about this or that particular point in the Alex Jones segment doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. All that matters is the effect of what Alex Jones said. And the effect of what Alex Jones said was a false start in the official story within the central narrative. The media rollout of the new pandemic story is now a failure because of the false start that Alex Jones created. And it is important to recognize this phenomenon because it's one we've seen a lot. This is why speculation matters. It's why talking about potential futures matters because we can remove social credit by making fun of all this and how people might react so that when the moment arises, they won't react that way because they don't want to be made fun of for doing so. This is going to keep thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people from not donning the mask. We can also remove social stigmas for noncompliance. Noncompliance is now the cool option, not within the party of false decorum, but within reality. The party of false decorum is going to tell its members that the cool thing to do is put the mask on and they will at least be respected by other members of the party of false decorum. They're just going to realize there's not that many of them out there in the real world, and they're going to be much more likely to be made fun of than to be praised. While the people who are out there talking about how it's all bullshit and no one should go along with it are not going to be stigmatized. They're going to be seen as people telling the truth. So the reaction that the regime wants from the people with the rollout of the new pandemic narrative will not be achieved, which means the pandemic cannot be achieved. And we've seen this on other subjects. We've talked a bunch of times about how Donald Trump announced the raid of Mar-a-Lago. He got to set the tone of the conversation for that event. Same thing with each and every one of his indictments and his arrests and the mugshot. You might remember on the night of the 2020 election that Donald Trump said that at 3.02 a.m., all sorts of votes were going to come in and they were going to steal the election. And that's what we saw. He had talked for months and months about the mail-in balloting and all manner of other fraud. And members of the regime called him crazy. They said he was spreading conspiracy theories, making baseless claims. And sure enough, we watched it appear in reality. And rather than being surprised and accepting it from authority, we challenged all those narratives because we knew that they were coming this evening. Tucker Carlson is releasing an interview that he's done with a man named Larry Sinclair, who claims to have had sex on multiple occasions with Barack Obama. Six weeks or so ago, we began getting stories about how Barack Obama in his letters and with his college girlfriend discussed 
his homosexual fantasies. Many people have known about all of this for years and years and years. But now the American public is finding out that Barack Obama's gay and you don't have to care about Barack Obama's sexuality at all. The point here and the controversy here is that Barack Obama lied about it the entire time he was president. We were told that Barack Obama's biggest scandal was wearing a tan suit. Now, that is obviously preposterous. But in terms of scandals, what's a bigger one? The Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels thing? You know, that thing where both of them deny ever having an affair? That thing where Stormy Daniels owes Donald Trump like $600,000? Or Barack Obama hiding the fact that he was gay for the entire time? I would say it's that second one. You know, the real thing, not that conspiracy theory about Donald Trump and the porn star. You know, that conspiracy theory that a man named Michael Avenatti spread on television 24 hours a day for months on end. But hey, he's now in jail for fraud. Gosh, isn't that whole situation just so odd? Now, I mention all that because people are talking rather seriously about the possibility of Michelle Obama replacing the fake president Joe Biden on the so-called Democratic ticket for the so-called election next year. Now, if that's their plan for next year, it's certainly already their plan right now, which means they could just come out and tell us that plan right now. But they're not doing that because they want all the future events that will lead up to Michelle Obama assuming that role to make sense and seem like spontaneous events just occurring in the world in the normal course of things. They don't want it to seem like something that's been planned out far in advance. They can't just come out and say, yeah, in six months, we're going to remove Joe Biden. We're going to say that it's because he's degenerate and demented and not up to the task. And we're going to replace Joe Biden with Michelle Obama. That's the plan. They're not going to tell us anything like that. They're going to try to make it look like it is a series of normal events just occurring in the world. Joe Biden's problems mount. His mental issues seem more prominent. And they are going to then float rumors about Biden being taken off the ticket that will get serious at some point. Maybe they'll remove Biden and insert Kamala. Or maybe the party will just decide that they need a free and open primary and that Kamala can't just be handed the reins of the whole thing. And then they'll go out and do debates and try to capture the public conversation on a day by day basis so that people really believe there is some interest in the Democrat Party. And then ultimately, Michelle Obama will win in very free, very fair primary elections over that crazy conspiracy theorist, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and it'll all seem natural. That's how the regime plans operate. Now, I don't know if every step of that is how it's going to play out in reality, of course. I'm not privy to these plans, but I can use some foresight and make educated guesses, and we can see if those map onto reality. But I do know this. If they are intending to put Michelle Obama in that position, then what we are seeing right now related to Barack Obama is a false start on that narrative. Our minds are being tuned in to different things about the Obamas than they were before. And this is occurring on a society wide level. After tonight, it is going to be unavoidable in the public conversation that Barack Obama may very well be gay and that he may very well have lied about it for his entire time in the public eye. 
which is now nearly 20 years. He has lied about his sexuality for nearly 20 years. And what does that mean about Michelle? What does it mean about their two daughters that were both born through surrogates? If the truth about Barack Obama's actual personal life and his actual presidency begins to reach the American public without any mental preparation, it would all be very likely to be rejected. It's kind of the reverse idea of the COVID narrative. If there's no mental preparation, if people aren't prepared to respond to a new COVID narrative, then they're likely to accept the claim from authority. They're likely to accept the official story within the central narrative. That part is true in both cases. The official story in the central narrative is that Barack Obama is a very good guy, a very good family man, husband to wife and woman, Michelle Obama, father to these two daughters who it just so happens were not born from Michelle Obama. The official story is that Barack Obama is the head of an all American family, not that he's a gay man. The official story on the new COVID variant is that it's dangerous, not so dangerous, but dangerous enough to respond to get those vaccines. But we've witnessed false starts on both of those stories, which means that the official story is less likely to be accepted and the central narrative will further collapse. Here's another false start. Last year, right before the midterm elections, Donald Trump referred to Ron DeSantis as desanctimonious. And immediately, all the Ron DeSantis associated people, all of Con Inc. media, all of the GOP establishment elite, all of them immediately went crazy, condemning Donald Trump, talking about how Ron DeSantis was the great hope of the Republican Party and how could Donald Trump ever compromise that. And a few days later, they blamed Donald Trump for all of the quote unquote losses during the midterms, totally ignoring election fraud, totally ignoring the fact that the conservative establishment refused to support those candidates who were said to have lost those candidates that they themselves did not help win. It became immediately obvious that Ron DeSantis was running a shadow presidential campaign while he was running for governor. And then he quote unquote won as governor of Florida and the shadow campaign continued to run for seven months before he gave his official campaign announcement. All of the pro-Ron anti-Trump arguments that would have been launched after his campaign announcement were all nullified during that seven months. Any potential argument in Ron's favor had already been dealt with before he even announced his official campaign. All of the people coming out to support him had already made themselves public and everyone could see them. They were officially out there as Trump haters well before Ron's official campaign began. And look what's happened. Ron DeSantis went from the biggest rising star in American politics to someone who simply does not matter anymore. He's in single digits. There are stories about how he's dropping behind both Chris Christie and Nikki Haley in various states. And that's while already being behind Vivek Ramaswamy. Ron DeSantis is getting crushed by Donald Trump in Florida. The guy's career might be completely over. And how did this happen? How is it possible that the narrative around Ron DeSantis for president has been such a disaster for the uniparty right? 
Well, it's because Donald Trump caused a false start when he first whispered desanctimonious. That one word threw the regime's narrative about Ron DeSantis off completely. Now, if Ron DeSantis turns out to be a pro-Trump red team up and he is just taking a hit for all of this over this entire time in order to expose the uniparty right and its corrupt donor class, wonderful. Then maybe Ron DeSantis at that point is a hero. But otherwise, Ron DeSantis is just this thing. And all of that has been completely demolished by the false start Donald Trump caused when he said to sanctimonious. We have had years of false starts and lead ups to any potential China Taiwan conflict. What would happen if that just arose spontaneously in the world as it will for all the standard issue villagers if we are not able to wake them up by that time? Everyone would think there's a very serious war happening. We would get a full replay of Russia, Ukraine. But because there have been so many false starts, many of us have thought very deeply about these situations. We have noticed similarities between Russia, Ukraine and the potential of China, Taiwan. The false starts will have totally diffused and nullified that narrative. And what else? How about nuclear war? We've had multiple false starts about that. Donald Trump has started the nuclear war narrative discussion on his own. He didn't wait for those stories to come out in the media where people would see them as spontaneously arising in the real world. There's a real danger of nuclear war between Russia and Ukraine. We've been having the nuclear conversation for well over a year now. That means there are a whole lot of people out there ready to understand that we will be lied to about even that. This is how we diffuse the threat. This is how we nullify their narrative deployments. This is why it's important to talk about the future and to talk about potentialities. This is why it's important to speculate. This is why it's important to at least engage with what are still for some reason referred to as conspiracy theories. There are potential realities that could emerge in our world. Some of those could be dangerous to us. They could be life-threatening. They could be career-threatening. They could threaten our families, our friends, our loved ones. And it is better to know about the possibility of those things occurring in advance than it is to just find out about them on the day that something happens. Many people out there know that our currency could collapse at some point. Are all of those people preparing for that potentiality? No, they're not. A bunch of them aren't preparing for that because they were told it's a conspiracy theory and only crazy people believe it. So they ignore it. They don't want to take the warning seriously. That's their choice. But the warning is either justified or it isn't. Think back to the beginning of COVID. The official story within the central narrative was that COVID was very, very deadly. And we had to do all of these society destroying things in order to save someone's grandma. A great many people accepted that story in full. If we went along with all of those people, we would still be in a COVID scenario right now. It was so long and so difficult because so many people went along with it. But what would happen if instead they all went along with us in noncompliance? Well, then the thing would have never happened. If no one went along with any of it, 
we would not have had the COVID-19 pandemic because there were not people falling dead in the streets and there were not people dying in their homes. Despite what we were told about that first COVID death in California back in early February 2020, does anyone know anyone who died in their home from COVID? We could have solved the COVID pandemic just by getting people to turn off the TV and the internet for a few days. If we went along with them, we would be fully into the great reset scenarios. All of it would be speeding along at pace. If they went along with us, none of it would have happened. That's why it's important to be mentally prepared to respond to these things. That's why the false starts matter because that's the warning signal. And if we heed those warnings and we think about those future possibilities, then we can respond to them if and when they arise. So you can say whatever you want about Alex Jones, but it seems like what he said is mapping on to reality. And the fact that he said it might actually save us from doing all that bullshit again. Now, I am going to try to get another episode up this week, but I can't make any promises because I am headed to Orlando, Florida tomorrow for the Great American Restoration Tour Part 2 with Badlands Media. So I will do what I can, but if I can't, then... I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 
at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!